Welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad that you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Welcome to Live Free Church. I'm Colby, and for the past three weeks, we've been talking, last two weeks actually, we've been talking about this idea of how do we kill loneliness? That our generation is so lonely that you think about the fact that when we think about friendships in our lives, a lot of times we think they're like leisure activities, right? Friendships for a lot of us happen after a job, sports, kids' sports, you know, like after all these things, after Netflix. The last thing that we sometimes pursue in our lives is authentic people around us, friends around us. You know, a lot of times we find friends in our workplace or on sports teams, but I think deep down that we are so lonely that our generation, this generation in a pandemic, is more lonely than ever. And what we're seeing is that we want in this season to kill loneliness. So if you missed any of the last few weeks, um, go back and watch them. You can check them out on YouTube. Um, just go to YouTube and check out Live Free Church. Um, we're on there, and we have two amazing weeks of um, sermons. The first week we talked about this idea that you and I were created from community for community, that, that when God looked at Adam, when he created Adam in the Garden of Eden, that he was alone and that wasn't good. Right? When you look at your loneliness and you wonder, what's wrong with me? It's because you and I aren't robots. We're not a tree. We're not, you know, like we are human beings created in God's image. And that God, who is, is a trinity, who three persons in one, created us from community for community. The last week we talked about this idea of true friendships, that before the foundation of the world, that you and I were created for an authentic and true relationship. But here's the thing, if you have any connection or any relationship today or in this, this moment, a lot of times that we find our friendships let us down, that people let us down, that I will let people down, like that's, that's what it looks like to be a human being. But Jesus will never let us down, that he's a true friend, that if you accept him into your life, He's always going to let you in, and he will always be there. Right? Like, those are the kind of the points that we talked about. But this week, I want to look at this idea how you and I were created from community to be a part of a movement, to be a part of a mission. You think about that like, you know, when people say like they're most alive, when they're part of a group of people doing something together. Right? Like the early church was a group of people on mission together, all about Jesus all about his glory. We moved here a year ago to plant a church in Kelowna. You know, people said to us over and over and over and over and over and over again, they said, why would you plant a church in Kelowna? Like, there's enough churches in Kelowna. When you drive around, you see churches, right? And I was like, oh, okay, like, what are those, you know what I mean? Like, do you think there's enough churches in Kelowna? Like, they, how many churches are there in Kelowna? I started asking that question, right? There's roughly about 85 churches in Kelowna that we think that there's 100,000 people in Kelowna who go nowhere. Nowhere. They don't go to any church. They have no church community. They have no community like a church can offer. I think when, you, when we were talking about starting up a church that people associate with a building, they'd say things like, well, when's your first service? Or, you know, when people, like, well, when are you going to buy a building? Right? Like, when we associate a church, we don't associate a lot of times with people. We associate with a building or a space 
or a service. It doesn't take very long for us to realize that when you talk to someone, if you talk to a friend who's never been a part of a church, I wasn't raised in the church. And so for a lot of times, like, I think I don't understand a lot of the nuances of why a church would do what, it's, what it does. But when you talk to people about this word church, it's a loaded experience or loaded word for people. Right? People have ideas or experiences or they have um, an ideas of what it could be like or what it should be like. See, the church was never meant to be a building. It was meant to be a movement that surrounded, that actually centered itself on Jesus and Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. Like, that's the church. The church isn't just some ornate building. The word that defined the church in the New Testament is a word called ecclesia, which so often in the English translation misses this word. Specifically, the term translated for church means a gathering of people, not just a building. The Greek term translated for church in the New Testament was ecclesia. But you may not realize this, that there was never a religious term. Actually, it's a term that refers to citizens who gather for civic purposes. Like that was the term that they defined the early church. But somehow from that term, we got to a building, to a congregation, right? We left and we forgot that it's a, it's a movement of people. See, the whole early church, if you read through the book of Acts, was a gathering of people around a cause. And that cause wasn't a political party. It wasn't Trump. You know, it was Jesus, his death and his resurrection, that they saw something in Jesus that no one else has done before, that he actually lived a perfect, sinless life. And he died a death that you and I should have died. And he didn't just stay dead, that he actually rose from the grave. Right? Like that captured the early church's heart. I remember the first time I encountered the church, and it took me um, to roughly about grade 9 or grade 10. And I, I grew up in Kelowna and grew up down on 816 Leon Avenue downtown. And I never, ever went to church as a kid. And I never, ever heard the gospel. And I, for me, when I, my mom one day came home and said, we're moving to Quinnell. And I was like, what? Where are we moving? Like, is that by Barkerville? Like, I gold panned once by Quinnell, and she moved us to Quinnell. And over the course of time, I met these Christians. And they weren't perfect people. But the way they loved people was compelling. The way they shared things was compelling. The way they talked about people was compelling. Now, maybe that's not always the case because some, you know, Christians are broken, sinful people. They're not perfect people. But the way they lived their lives was so unlike anything I've ever experienced before. I remember, actually, I was captivated before I really heard about Jesus by this community, by community that's surrounded, that's, that's purposeful, it's on mission for Jesus. They encountered me in a very authentic way. They knew me and they loved me, regardless of my brokenness and, and my sin and my flaws. And that was really attractional. See, today I want to look at a church, a movement of people on mission, and how, how it started and why it's so 
incredible. And why when you see how the church is really truly meant to function, it's so captivating that it actually kills our loneliness because it gives us a purpose. It gives us a passion. It gives us a mission. It's so easy, I think, for us to be cynical about what the church is. It's so easy to look at the church and go, oh my goodness, I've been there. It sucked. Um, I, I was a part of it. No, like Jesus called this his bride and Jesus had a purpose for the church and it includes you and I. And I want to look at this in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. If you have a Bible, go there. I want to read all the way down to 47. It says here in chapter 2, verse, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of, the, of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified strongly, urging them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. They they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as they had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. You see, I think there's a, a moment here where Peter is preaching a passage in Acts and people were cut to the heart. Right? This is the first sermon to the New Testament church. And what happens is Peter's preaching this message and all of a sudden it comes from a movement of 120 people to 3,120 people. There's something that happens. He preaches this message and says, Be, repent. Right? And people were like cut to the heart of the message of Jesus Christ. I think our curve view of church is so easy to have a lack of understanding when it comes to church. Because a lot of times, I've heard people say things like, well, you know, I don't really get the church, but you know, like my, when I'm at the soccer field, that's my church. You know, when I'm on, my, on the boat with my friends, like that's my church. That is not a church. And that isn't your church. There's a clear picture of what the church looks like. And here's what Jesus says. Here's what actually Peter's talking about. And he's talking about the fact that a church is built around a central figure in that person is Jesus. In Acts, Peter's saying to them is, repent and be baptized every one of you in Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, here's what a Christian is, if you're not aware of this, right? It's someone who hears the gospel, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, and is cut to the heart by the message. That this person believes in Jesus, you repent of your sin, you receive the Holy Spirit, and demonstrate outwardly what's actually happening inwardly. See, Christianity is an ongoing life of following Jesus' teaching. Repentance of sin, generosity, worship, and friendship with God's people. Because the church isn't a building, it's about people on mission together. You know, I think a lot of times you think about church, 
I think so often you think about a monument. We've had people that have come from Europe and they've stayed in, with us and they find out or they, they see that we're, I'm a pastor and, I, and they come to our church when I was in Salmon Arm and they're like, wow, this is totally not what I experienced in Europe. Like the church in Europe is a, is a monument, not a movement. Like this is captivating. Remember the first time we took someone to church with us and they were like, can I just video this? Because my parents will not believe what is going on right now. Right? Like if you go to, if I went to Rome, you go to all these amazing, ornate buildings, facilities, churches. There's no one in them. Right? Like Canada isn't very far away from being where Europe's at if we say the church is a building, not a movement of people. Before I kind of talk about the idea of, of what does this mission look like, I want to talk a, a briefly and contrast just like there's some principles that a church should have and methods, and today we're, we're talking about principles, but the Bible has, has principles for all ch- churches. And then churches get to figure out the, the methods and how they work those out. See, the Bible says that we need to preach the word Right? That's a principle. The method is how do we get to do that? Right? Do we do verse by verse or book by book or chapter by chapter? Or are we uh, moving through topics? See, the Bible says preach the word. That's a principle. The, the method is how the church implements that. The group of people implement those things. Today, I want to look at the principles of church. A principles of, of a church on mission that captivates people, that actually attracts thousands of people to it. It's the principles, not the methods I want to look at today. And here's kind of a, um, some marks. I have five kind of marks of what a, a church looks like on mission. And the first one is they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. Right? They, they devote themselves to the teachings of Jesus. Like, go ahead and read through the whole book of Acts. If you read through Acts, you realize that over and over and over and over and over again, what people say is because of the resurrection. Christ's resurrection. It's just constantly sermons about Jesus and his life and his death, but his resurrection because no one is like Jesus in the way that he was resurrected from the grave. Like, we serve a God who's not dead but is alive. It's not passive in our lives, but actually active in our lives. You know, it's because of the resurrection that captivated a church, and that's why they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. They would have known other rabbis in that area, other teachers, but what happened was, what set the early church apart from any other teaching is was Jesus' message. It's like watching a movie. If you watch a movie, at the very end, there's a twist, right? Like, it's hard to go around and not tell people about the twist at the end of a movie, if you've seen it. It was so shocking to you. You're like, I can't believe this happened. The resurrection was like that. It was something that no one expected, and yet it happened, and it changed the trajectory of human history. See, they weren't focused on their own achievements, but what was accomplished on the cross for you and I. See, the first mark of a church is that they were devoted to the apostles' teachings, which weren't about Peter and Paul. It was about Jesus. And what happened was they were, they were so convicted of their sin, their brokenness, they repented, and they were saved. They put their faith and trust in Jesus. The second kind of mark 
of a church on mission is they were devoted to the fellowship. Right? This isn't like the fellowship of the ring, like the Lord of the Rings. But this is about community. See, hospitality oftentimes is where we welcome strangers into our lives. But a fellowship is where we welcome believers, family into our lives. See, the main point is that Christians were together always. You say, well, what about their ages? They were together. Well, what if they had kids and their kids were wild and crazy? They were together. Well, what if they're from different social economic statuses? They were together. See, what united them wasn't, you know, wasn't their money or their possessions or their family. What united them was Jesus. Their, their common thing they all had was Jesus. And because of that, they were adopted into this brand new family. I think in our community, I always like to tell people, like, community takes time. Community takes a long time to find the right fit. It's like going and buying the right pair of jeans, right? When you find the right pair of jeans, right, it's like hard to throw them out because you're like, man, these jeans get me. They fit me. When you find the right community, it fits you. You feel like you can truly become yourself. See, friendship takes a lot longer than probably what you expect. You know, I remember having a talk with a friend who... Um, was discipling someone, and he's like, oh, man, like, you know, I, I'm like, how do you, how do you, you know, disciple someone, or how do you walk alongside someone? And he says, you know, like, I spend roughly, like, you know, 30 to 45 minutes in my office with this person every two weeks. And so I was like, I should just do some rough math. Like, how long did Jesus' disciples finally take to get it? Right? Like, how long did Jesus spend with his disciples? What, how, what do you think the hours were if we calculated all of them up roughly? It's 8,000 hours. 8,000 hours is what it takes to master something. Right? Malcolm Gladwell said that 8,000 to 10,000 hours is like you've actually mastered something, whatever it is. It took the Beatles roughly 10,000 hours before they became the Beatles. Right? To disciple someone, it's going to take roughly 8,000 hours in, for community it's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of time understanding people's stories. It's going to take a lot of time understanding where they came from, their nuances, what do they believe, what they believe. In our community groups, a lot of times we ask these questions where there's three getting-to-know-you questions, which are almost like throwaway questions. But what we're asking is, who are you? What's your experience? Fill us into your life on, on who you are. The early church, the church even today, can be so remarkable because the thing we have in common is Jesus. Right? Like, people devoted themselves to the fellowship. That's point two. The third point is they devote themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. See, I think we need to, as, as people, always be acknowledging the fact that when we come to church, come to our community groups, we, we can partake in communion because guess what? We are acknowledging the fact that Jesus died and he rose again. Like it almost needs to be burned into our brains. When Jesus at the Last Supper is saying here, he was even with his disciples, he said, take this bread and he broke it saying, this is my body given for you. He took the, the wine and he said, this is my blood shed for you. 
See, in taking communion together as a church, as community, we're remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. It's freeing because our lives aren't built on our own accomplishments and achievements. We receive everything through Christ. The fourth, fourth piece here is a mark of a church as there was incredible generosity. It says, Now that believers were together and they held all things in common, they sold all their possessions and property and distributed to the proceeds distribute the proceeds to all as they had need. See, they were so remarkably generous because they realized that Jesus was so generous to them. See, our, our Jesus, Jesus is so generous to us that he saw us in our broken and sinful state and he died for us. That's why we're generous. Remember years and years and years ago, um, I was working in a church and I remember a guy said to me, he said, you know, um, can, I, he said, can I ask you a question? I was like, yeah, what's the question? Is like, like, how much do you, um, do you tithe? And I was like, what do, you, what do you mean? I was like, well, I tithe my time. <laughs> and this guy was like, yeah, that's just expected. But he said, but can I ask you a question? I was like, no, you can't, but sure, ask it anyways. He goes, whose money's in your bank account? And I was like, oh, that's, it just sucked because I knew it was my money. And he goes, yeah, that's the point. The point is that it's not your money, it's God's money. Right? Like the early church knew that all the things there that they had because of the resurrection, that they weren't bringing that with them. Their house and their possessions, their money. So what do they do? They sold it all. But I think for us, Right? We're not saying that we have to be like this crazy socialistic environment. We actually can just be so radically generous to people around us that there might be moments in our lives where we actually sacrifice the things that we desperately, I desperately want for the people. To be generous to other people. See, our generosity as a church isn't marked by, by what we do, but what God's been done for us. We don't give or we don't tithe financially because we're trying to earn God's favor, trying to get some sort of crazy blessing. That is totally not right. We give because he's been so favorable to us because he's given us life when we deserve death. So marks of a church that I think is so captivating for people to kill loneliness, one is they devote themselves to apostles' teaching, to the fellowship is point two, to the breaking of bread, in prayers, that's three, four is generosity, and five is it became a movement. It says every day the Lord adds their numbers, those who are being saved. See, an ecclesia was an assembly around a cause, and that cause was people. Is a movement of people, people on mission, people saying, hey, you know what? My job is to be a spot where I'm not going like, to bug people into the kingdom of God. I'm just going to share my own brokenness and my own sin and say, hey, look at my life. Look at my life being transformed by Jesus. I'm not perfect. You know me. I'm not trying to be like the most perfect person on earth because I'm not, but Jesus is. It was a movement. We have a statement on our website, and it says that we always want to be a movement, not a monument. Like when I went to Rome, I saw all these beautiful churches and I was really captivated by the ornateness of it, but no one was in them. 
No one's ever in these facilities, these buildings. See, we want to be a church that plants churches because, starts churches up because I think we want to reach as many people at all costs. Our website says here, we're a church on mission to reach as many people at all costs. Our message is the gospel. It's Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection that is contextualized to those who live and work and play alongside of us. See, I want to be very clear that our church, Lippery Church, isn't a church that's trying to build a, a service or trying to buy a facility. We're trying to empower people to live out everyday mission in their lives. Live out the gospel every single day. It means bringing the gospel to every area of your life, your friends, your family, your working environments, your sports teams, everything. I remember this past April, we were talking about planting or starting a church up, uh, launching a physical service. And it was going to be on April 12th on Easter Sunday. And as you know, COVID hit and we got delayed. I remember looking out over the course of a month in my backyard and seeing a trailer full of great gear and banners and, and um, all the things that we need to like host a service. I remember like day after day after day after day after day after day, God telling me, Colby, the church isn't in that trailer. The church isn't in that trailer. The church is people. Go be with people. Call people. Love people. Like, the church can never be confined to a central location, to a building, because it's a gathering of people around a common cause that causes Jesus. See, we want to be a movement of people who want to make Jesus known in Kelowna. We desire to be a movement in Kelowna, not a monument. A group of people who are centered around Jesus, who love to be together, who are radically generous, who are constantly remembering Christ's death and his resurrection, that his blood was poured out for us, his body was broken, so we can live. See, we want to be a movement of people on mission for Kelowna. I think when people find that mission, that movement, it kills their loneliness because they don't have to be an individual. An individual is a Christian but God's church is its people. And I'd love for you to be a part of that, wherever you're at. I mean, it looks like you're helping us financially support this from wherever you're at. Maybe it looks like you're part of a community group. Maybe it looks like get a cup of coffee. What we're saying here is, I'm saying is the early church saw a whole bunch of darkness when Peter preached Jesus, people repented. It like cut through the void of loneliness, of people's loneliness in their lives and made them attracted to a common vision and mission, and that's Jesus. I want to say that you can be compelled, not by your bank account or your possessions, but a person who lived and he died and rose again, that's Jesus. Pray with me. God, thank you for this series and how you've exposed in my own life how I need authentic friendships. I'm looking for people in my life to walk alongside me. I think about the best place to start should be the church, and so often it isn't, and I'm sorry that so often the church 
is a monument or a movement. Help us to always remind, help us remind us that this is about you, Jesus, not about me or a service. It's about people on mission for your glory. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.